talking to. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garland Pepper Presents podcast. Today, my guest is Bonnie Wills. Bonnie Wills is a friend of many people in Silverton and probably everywhere she goes. Um, she was only in Silverton for a short time on a vacation, which the Australians do a lot of. They get around the world and they particularly like America. So we see a lot of Australians here. Um, so we were lucky to have uh, Bonnie run through our lives and it literally was a sprint of joy. And, uh, and I remember meeting her and being like, ah, oh, we're, we're gonna stay connected forever. And so here we are reconnecting after, ooh, how many years has it been, Bonnie? Uh, it's been six years now, close to. Yeah. 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 So tell me about yourself. Tell me where, uh, where are you from and what did you, like when you uh, grew up, where did you grow up? I grew up in Woodend and Castlemaine, which is an hour and a half from Melbourne where I live now. And uh, yeah, so I was born in Kyneton, which was a tiny little town near Woodend because there wasn't a hospital in Woodend. Uh, born to my mother, Jenny, and she didn't know what sex I was going to be, but she had a dream a week before I was born that I would be a girl and my name would be Bonnie. Well, there um, you go. Yeah. <laughs> she, had her own, she had her own little, uh, what do they call those, little things where they see the belly and they see the baby. She had her own own in her head. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we give ourselves credit enough for knowing what's actually going on in our bodies. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there is an energy that is female and there is an energy that is male and then there's places in between and, and all over the place, right? Mm. And I think you would feel that in your belly, wouldn't you? You'd be like, oh, it feels, feels feminine. It's very kind of yeah. calm. Yeah. It feels like a boy. He's running around yeah. there. You know what I mean? And these are basic <laughs> energies of testosterone and, 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 and estrogen. But, you know, where they fall in the waysides is, is just amazing to me. Like, yeah. So how, so you or your mom thought you were going to be a girl. Now what happens? I mean, so you're a girl to uh, your mom alone or you, do you have a mo mom and a dad and you guys? Yeah, all no. So mom and dad was, uh, they were together until I was four and I'm the youngest of three girls. So, and we're all exactly two years apart. So I'm 30 and then my George, my sister Georgia is 32 and then my sister Chloe is 34. Yeah, so, so perfectly you, you spaced two, trio. Two, 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 two. So a little six-year yeah. stint of making kids. Well, that's yeah. cool. So you all were sisters then. You were integrated with each other. Yeah, and um, after mum and dad split up when I was four, we lived with our mum full-time. So it was a house full of women growing up. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Even yeah. the cat was female. <laughs> and we suspect so, the fish. <laughs> so you're living in an all-female house. And I was just, that's interesting because I just brought up that whole energy thing. And so you lived in an all-female house. I've lived in all-male environments. I had all brothers. Yeah. Uh, except for my mom. Um, but she'll fuck with anybody, you know. She's as badass as a man for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so do you live in a house full of women now? You've been living in a house full of women. Have, for, yeah. So my, my, my life has been like one or the other, like the Marines growing up as a kid, always boys. Even when we had stepbrothers, it was always boys. We had stepsisters, but they always lived with their mom. So yeah. Um, yeah, boys, 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 and then Marines. And then the rest of my life, even my pets have been women. <laughs> oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> 
nothing. I got nothing. So growing up with women, so was it a, uh, yeah, tell me about that environment. Like growing up where you were all kind of there together, tight spaces, I imagine. If it's just a single parent, you're probably not making bank. So you're all in hmm. each other's space. Yeah. I, looking back on it now, I think I noticed that we did a lot of laughing. We, like my mom is a very joyous person. I think things did get really hard sometimes and she had her own uh, journey with uh, mental health and depression that was sort of a continuing line through her life. And, but we always did a lot of laughing and a lot of play and silliness. And now I look at my relationship with my sisters and my mum and I feel infinitely grateful that I have these beautiful women in my life. Yeah. yeah. I think I had a really beautiful childhood that was difficult sometimes, but uh, full of love. Well, it sparkles through you. I remember you just getting with uh, the kids. I remember you and Lucy just hanging out and, and just connecting, you know? Um, tell me about your, your mom. Like, I know you're, you're saying she had mental challenges, but she obviously raised a beautiful human and, and two other sisters, I imagine you're all probably pretty excellent. Yeah. Yeah, she, um, I think the one thing that stands out to me about the way that mum brought us up is that she did it really differently to the way she was brought up. And I'm not sure if that came to her uh, with clarity or whether it was just something in her heart that drove her to, but she did an incredible job of um, bringing us up uh, from a generation of people that's, you know, expected their children to just marry and have children. And then she's an adult in a world that doesn't expect that anymore. And she was also able to bring us up with open minds from coming from a small country town in Victoria where that wasn't that common. And there's kind of just an underlying racism to a lot of behavior and thought and views from, um, from those little pockets of the world around here. And, Mum was able to just bring us up without any of that bullshit. And she she taught us, yeah, how to love and be open-minded. And and so I think that that would have been really hard and quite lonely as well because we're still really close to my grandparents and they played a big part in our upbringing too. And they supported us and mum a lot. But I think also it takes a lot of guts and can be quite a lonely journey when you're diverting off the path of expectation perhaps. Mm -hmm. And also choosing not to be in a marriage that she wasn't happy in anymore and, and things like that. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's tough to make those choices, um, especially when you're in a small town. The only way to really do it is to get out. And so mm. I, I'm glad she did that. You know, um, I don't know what it is about small towns, even in America. There, there's a... I think it's a fear of the outside or something, you know, and, and they have to talk badly about the outside. Maybe it's, 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 it's an insecurity complex where it's like everybody else can go do all the things. We're just out here doing all the work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, maybe that's it, you know, but yeah, 
everybody's working. I mean, they're just working in different ways. Yeah. It feels yeah. different, you know? So was that a uh, mining community or a farming community? Uh, farming used to be tobacco back in the, back in the day um, mm. that our families did. And then that, uh, a lot of our growing shifted overseas because it became illegal to grow tobacco in Australia. I, I don't know when that was, but um, yeah, it shifted. And then uh, there was a mill. So yeah, my grandpa worked in that mill from, from then on, but mum sort of left home and went overseas when she was younger and uh, probably had the first opportunity to be out on her own and experience the world in a different way. And then um, she's a, she's a bright spark of a person. So yeah, I think people recognize that and it seems now more than ever, she's like very firmly rooted in the world and she's, yeah, she's a very gorgeous person. That's wonderful. So what, if you could say there's like one lesson that you feel like you learned from your mom, what would it be? Uh, hmm. I think mom probably taught me how to be joyous. Yeah. Joy, I think. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah, and humor, laughter <laughs> and joy, and I see it in you. So that's, that's a good gift. Mm. It's a good gift. And she taught you to travel. Yeah. I, I think actually the other thing that mom would have taught me was to be inquisitive. She'd always, she's always been uh, really interested in spirituality and she's always read a lot about uh, the spirit and even different variations of God and uh, ego and all of these different concepts and ideas and teachers and different teachings that she's discovered. And she's always had heaps of books like that on the shelf. And so I think she's been a bit of a, an outlier in her family for being interested in all those things, but it's always given all of us a different perception of the world. So that's probably one of the biggest gifts as well. Yeah, I, I like following the seeker's path. Um, I, I've been doing that myself most of my life. Um, you know, following different ideas on spirituality. And, and I look at them and any of them that are worth having or, or, or worth being. So you have to try to incorporate. And some of those work well. Some, some skills that you get from different spiritual paths work very well. And mm. some... Yeah, you know, they seem like some foo-foo and they're just not all the way there for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's how I, I've been on the seeking path most of my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that the truth can be known, but I think we get closer to it. Yeah, I think being inquisitive about self has made uh, made it possible for me to keep changing and growing uh, amidst uh challenges and fear and trauma and grief and I feel like yeah having that inquisitive mind has helped me figure things out for myself yeah yeah, yeah. so is that when you're most in flow like when you know all of a sudden you just have to figure shit out and you just do yeah yeah isn't that just like it gets better as it, the older I get it's like oh yeah. all right here we go yeah here we go. <laughs> yeah. <Buckle up. laughs> We're yeah. getting in there. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how it feels, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I get, I get overwhelmed because the stuff I'm learning right now, it's all like this, like the whole marketing and, you know, web design and page making and posting and making videos. And it's just this whole multimedia world, mm. including just kind of everything. It's, it's been overwhelming. Yeah. It, it's, it's so fun. It's great. You're, um, it's great that you're facilitating all these people's stories and stories are so important. Uh-huh. Yeah. So if there was one story that kind of led you through your life, like if there was one, like for me, I got a principle. I got like nowadays and I didn't have it all my, all my life. I don't know if, if I had one guiding principle, like all my life, <laughs> I think it would be leave me alone. <laughs> 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 I think that's it. I think it is the <laughs> fuck alone, man. I just want to do my thing and do it. And that is yeah. <laughs> that's great. So sassy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, and maybe that's just now, like I'm, I think it's maybe my creed since about 55. Okay. I'm just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way and it's going to happen this way. And, could you just kind of fuck off a little bit and <laughs> do your own thing while I do my thing and basically get the fuck out of my way and leave me alone. Yeah. That's, and, and I don't know. It, it's, it's, I don't know. The fifties feels like a whole new generation of that. Uh, a little bit of GFY in, in the, in your stacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how about you? What would you're defining? Well, I think up until the last few years, I've, I've been in a state of, of caring a lot or concerning myself a lot with how other people perceive me. So in the last two years, I think that's really shifted, especially last year. I feel like I did a lot of work on my, on my self-esteem and I, so now I'm more in this place of, I think I've, what I've noticed is that kindness goes a really long way, that trying to understand someone means that I no longer have to perceive someone's behavior towards me as a personal um, uh, attack or involvement or whatever. I might, I might have been offended in any way I could have been offended. Uh, and so, yeah, I think kindness, I feel like that has gotten me pretty far. And at first, when I first started doing carpentry as well, like I'm in my fourth year this year, and when I first started, I thought that that was going to just not help me at all. But what I've noticed is that I have a really great relationship with the people I work with now. And it's a really lovely place to work. And I've noticed over the years, all the different jobs that I've had, I've had a really nice time. So I'm like, I think it's, I think it's working. <laughs> I think yeah. it's great. And so kindness is kind of, there's lots of different things involved in it. You know, one of the things being just trying to understand where someone's at and being compassionate uh, and empathetic. Um, but also now the other bit that I add to it is being able to be myself, do what I need to do for myself as well within that so that I'm not giving up anything of my own uh, truth or 
um, needs while I'm doing that. So that's probably one of my biggest learnings in the last year to be able to do both things. Wow. So mm. carpentry and kindness. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strong structure. Yeah. I like that a lot. Oh my God. That is so cool. I, I was thinking about it as you were saying, I'm just like, cause carpentry's, you know, always been fully, you know, tough guys and shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not know. a tough guy. <laughs> well, you are, but you, but you're yeah. kind. Yeah. Right? So, and I think that's what you're bringing to their table, which is really beautiful. Mm. You're the Babette's Feast of Carpentry down in Australia, aren't you? <laughs> bringing some beauty to the whole new game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's what? Eight, nine in the morning? Ten. Ten in the morning there. Yeah. I think 3.30 in the afternoon, 3.40. I don't know. In the afternoon. Oh. Yeah. Over here. Is it really is it really cold there? Uh no, today. Today was beautiful. Today Excellent. was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunshine? Sunshine and roses. I yeah, yeah. I went on a walk. Oh, uh, lovely. Yeah, it was it was uh it was just beautiful. And I'm gonna change my view here so that whoever's speaking is up front. There we go. Um yeah, so I went on a walk. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, I seem to have lost my hat. So if anybody found a little black hat out there in the world, so it's mine. Um, <laughs> I had to put this hat on, which is a little pretentious and ostentatious, but what the hell? It does look great. <laughs> kind of fun. I actually, yeah. had, I had thought about using this and until I lost the other one, I didn't. So maybe, maybe this is a thing. Maybe I'm branding up. I don't know. <laughs> Um, Brings a little circus vibe or magician vibe to the, to the right. Table. And my, <laughs> my brand has that guy with the with the with the drum drum major hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. So I think you know maybe I I was just thinking as I got this hat I'm like maybe I just always wear some kind of hat it can be the same one yeah. every now and then change it out that kind of thing. Ooh, I love your lighting fixture. Wow, oh, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Isn't that beautiful. Oh my god. Yeah. Do they do glass down there? Is there places that have made that milk glass? Is it? Yeah, I'd say so. Melbourne has a lot of, a lot of really great um, niche sort of old places that do things like that. I find my boss always finds like you go down, you know, all the little side streets in the industrial area and find a person that specializes in, you know, wrought iron something or, you know. That's going to be a fun place to be a, uh, a carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I have a friend who's a timber framer. Yeah. Have you seen those videos? Is this Tim. Well, yeah. What's his name? You know, Jim? Jim yeah. Just Jim. Is it Jim? Yeah. Um, yeah. I met Jim really briefly at, uh, at. Oh, probably in, my house. <laughs> I think I might know it was up on the mountain. Ah, oh, Charles. Yeah, yeah, at Mike and Charlie and yeah. Um, yeah. And the funny thing was he came to Australia and he worked with the man from Castlemaine, where I'm from, on this house. He built this amazing house that has this twisty chimney and yeah. yeah. And after I met him, I delivered veggie boxes and I delivered to that house every week and I would always think about, yeah. So oh, it's very strange. Yeah. That is so yeah. cool. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So Jim DeSantis is putting up his own house now. Okay. Yeah. So he needs you to, yeah, he needed you about six months ago to help him with the, con- the contracting side. Cause he's only done timber framing a whole, oh, house, okay. a whole nother thing. It's a whole, it's a whole lot of other systems. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and he's basically in school on every system as he's going along. Right. Yeah. What a great learning experience on oh. your own house too. Yeah. I, yeah. I've seen him age 10 years in one. Yeah. <laughs> Contracting a house is a big deal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. My boss, I feel like he's a genius. <laughs> he, he just got, he has like a million different pieces of information in his head at one given time. Yeah. That whole shebang. Well, you're building up your library now of all yeah, of yeah. he knows. You're filling your head up with those things. Yeah. That's true. So yeah. what does, or she is your boss. He, you said he. Yeah, he, yeah. So you grew up in an all woman environment and now is this a predominantly male environment you're in? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Really? Yeah, there's one, there's a little sausage dog that's a female. That is one of the dogs. Yeah, and that's the only female. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a few dogs on site. So that's the only female I can think of. <laughs> yeah, other than me. Oh, <laughs> you said sausage dog that's female in my head i thought okay is this a sexual definition of a <laughs> sexual woman who likes dick yeah <laughs> I, after i said that i was like oh yeah maybe that <laughs> no it is you were like, talking about a, a, little, it's a little dog yeah <laughs> the sickness that's up in here yeah <laughs> the sickness that's up in here yeah so you're in this all male environment. Uh, you started four years ago. Were you scared to death? Yeah, I was. I I don't didn't have much experience on the tools. I've done a bit of before that, and I just done a bit of labouring work here and there, um, mostly gardening. Um, and I started doing the pre-apprenticeship, which is a course through a TAFE, and they teach you some of the basics, and then. I got halfway through that and called up my boss because I saw the ad on the notice board at school and it just sounded like exactly the sort of environment that I wanted to work in. And so I just was calling up to practice and yeah, I was was terrified. (laughs) And I was just, yeah, just going through the the motions, but I was like, everyone's going to see right through me and see that I don't know anything. (laughs) You, you called him because you wanted to work for him in particular because he built that house. Ah, no, because, um, it was just a list of qualities that he was looking for in someone that he put on this ad and, oh. you know, he wanted. And so I was like, that, it sounds exactly like me. I was like, I have, yeah, he just wanted someone that's reliable and genuine and takes initiative and um, is positive. And, and I was like, Oh, that's me. I better call. <laughs> talked about me right there. And he didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> and he is, he is the arc, uh, the, the contractor for the house that you loved. Is that correct? Uh, or no? Did, did I get that mixed up? The one that Jim. Yeah. No, Jim, different guy. So that's in Castlemaine. That was just a, uh, yeah, that's a different story. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this contractor you do here, you're working with here, what kind of work are you guys doing? Uh, ground we, up repairs? We, we have, we do everything. So we did a ground up last year for an architect. That was really good. Um, it was a beautiful job actually. And then we mostly, 
what he's mostly done is the in the past has knocked down the slightly older part of the house but kept the part of the house that was probably built in from anywhere from 1870 to 1950 and then we'll do an extension on the back and put a subfloor in and build a new kitchen and a bathroom and so usually originally they leave like the front two or four bedrooms and often that's brick or weatherboard or whatever it is and then we'll do the extension on the back um to whatever they need so that's our that usual sounds... thing the rent those those renovations yeah. but um we have done a few ground up ones in the last year yeah well i imagine you know it's hot there yeah yeah it's hot as hell sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> so if you got a house that's all stuffy might be nice to have a little shaded sunroom off of the back where it's a shade room, really. Is that, that's pretty yeah. cool there, isn't it? Yeah, it has, it has been. And it depends where you go because the buildings do change a lot in the different regions of Australia. You know, like here, the soil, the soil can even change dramatically from, you know, here to a kilometre away. But um, up in Queensland, you know, they've got all the houses on the stilts that are way up off the ground and they have a different design and they're made from different materials just because termites and all the different things so I think building different sorts of building uh it changes dramatically in Australia in Perth they hardly ever build out of timber because it's too expensive to ship it over and they have a different sort of termite over there that um is pretty ravenous and will probably eat your house so they so, don't they build what out of uh block yeah cinder, cinder block or yeah concrete and brick yeah just because everything will eat anything they let it's there's just no way of not having termites eat your shit over there. It's just Yeah, gonna... I think I think that's it and I think it's also the cost of sending timber over. Yeah. Uh, so Queensland's pretty isolated. What's the population of the whole what is that a state, right? Province? Yeah, so I think Queensland does more timber. It's more western Australia that won't that does the brick and the cinder block, but um yeah. So I'm not sure what the population of Queensland is, but Queensland is huge. It's a huge state. And same with WA, they're massive. Oh, they're massive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen hardly any of them. <laughs> it's like Alberta, Canada, or Northern Terror, Northwest Territories. No, they're huge, but yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> massive. Um, yeah. So most of the population is along the eastern, southeastern border, all the way up. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's almost all there because that's the only place yeah. is not just dry. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting to have so much land, mm. but no ability to do much with it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, I sort of lament our building standards in Australia. I think we're, we're very far behind in a lot of regards um, because we haven't figured out how to build houses that are really, uh, that work with our weather systems. I think like I, it's nice building some. A lot of our clients do seem to be a bit more aware than others and put in good systems that don't rely just on grid power. But um, yeah, I really wish that places like WA would do more of that because they seem to just keep building these square brick houses with bad ventilation and um, airflow and and they just 100% rely on air conditioning systems and things. Yeah. So there are ways of creating cooler spaces indoor with a house. So you have to have good airflow, um, mm. good overhangs. Yeah, the, the eaves, space. yeah. 
less less actual indoor space, but it feels big because you 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 make the living room adjacent to a big opening with a big you know porch like eight foot Eve mm. ten foot Eve ten foot Eve yeah. though without you know really torquing up some things on the backside though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It has to be sort of an initial plan. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't really do a good 10-foot eve, unless you yeah. did steel. And that's yeah. that's expensive and yeah. really taxes a lot of systems. Mm. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's not, it's efficient in the in the long haul if you use steel in a good way. Yeah. All of the energy put into that steel should last last through its lifetime, especially if you protect the steel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so for long-term solutions, it's it's amazing. Mm. All the old buildings there are built out of what? Like the old public buildings? Uh, so there's a lot of really big uh, buildings initially built in Melbourne during the gold rush in the 1850s and onwards. And they a lot of those are made from bluestone that's quarried from around here. So they're re- that's really impressive. And there's a lot of old roads around here that are made from bluestone. And um, yeah, it's impressive and really heavy because <laughs> we often have to pull them out. And is it a quartz? Uh, is it a type of quartz? Uh, no. Oh, maybe I don't know. Actually, I wish I could tell you more about that. But yeah, we just know it as as bluestone. Yeah. And so I created so, the beautiful buildings. But if so, is it yeah. only in very small veins? Is it pretty limited? Well, I think. The reason it's used so commonly is because there are quite a few quarries around here that um, that dealt in bluestone. I think even in Castlemaine there was, oh no, there was a lot of slate actually around Castlemaine. A lot of the old roofs were made with that slate um, in and around Castlemaine and here, but both here and Castlemaine. Well, a lot of the money from the gold fields around Castlemaine was funneled to Melbourne because that's where all the um, gold mining happened, the alluvial gold mining. Yeah. So it's interesting. Built Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Initially, yeah. So that means it had a rough and tumble history. Yeah, definitely, and really multicultural. Like our, unfortunately, we're not doing a very good job of it at the moment. But the reason for Australia's existence is a lot of it is attributed to our relationship with China, and um, we would not have been able to survive any of the gold rushes without Chinese people. Um, and their market gardens and all of their technology. And uh, so, you know, we've always worked hand in hand to build this country, but unfortunately our relations with China aren't going very well because yeah. Australia doesn't want to acknowledge that. So, Yeah, that's a shame because, uh, yeah, the Chinese built San Francisco and the railroads. Yeah. 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 In America. Yeah. Yeah, so they've been... I don't know. I don't know how that all happens. It just seems wrong to me, but it's, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that we can go back and fix that, but I think we we're getting better, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, we had Andrew Yang running for president. So things are getting better. Yeah. Not prisoners anymore. There's a town in Oregon called Pendleton. And it was common, I guess, across a lot of the railroad towns where the Chinese would come in and they'd set up their little markets, right? Underground. Well, they built mm. an underground market for the Chinese. They didn't want to see them above ground. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they did yeah. dry cleaning there, and then the Chinese lived underground. Wow. Jeez. Hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So we can move on, though. Hmm? We can do better. Yeah. I think we need to come at this like a woman raised with other women who's now teaching people in the construction industry how to be kind and happy. <laughs> It's the same metaphor. Yeah. You're the injection we need in, in, in society. Kindness. You're the metaphor for that to me at this moment. Yeah. Because you saw like just be yourself and you opened up a typically tough community. And I bet mm. you they're kinder to each other now and I bet you they're a lot more productive within their ability to get things done because you know construction folks are ball busters yeah yeah i think i i'm very fortunate to work with people that are they they think differently anyway they're not i don't think they're your average construction workers i think they're really open-minded probably in the sense in the word you would use is like liberal liberal thinking uh not Australian liberal, American liberal, definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we have, you know, we have really open discussions about all sorts of topics at work and are able to, uh, yeah, be be fluid, I think. And my boss has hired, like when he went, the day that I met him, he told me he'd, he'd hired two women before. And, um, yeah, so he's he's always wanted to have at least one woman working in his business. So I think... Um, he's already has, you know, he's aware of the imbalance in the industry and, and wants to, wants it to shift to. Is he training anyway. you up to take over? To take over the business <laughs> or to take over the world. <laughs> Start with one step at a time. In order to build a house, you could probably do some things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so the difference in, in Australia of a carpenter and a builder is that, yeah, a carpenter will be doing a lot of the, the work itself and then the builder is in charge of the you know the organizing and running of the business and the insurance and the equity to um to balance the insurance yeah how much the insurance would cost or how big the jobs you are going to be doing so there's a little bit of a difference you have to have different qualifications to be a builder versus a carpenter i'm not sure you're how that works in the u.s you're a carpenter, carpenter. now so yeah. yeah, there's layers. Uh, you know, you journeyman, and then and then you can uh, apply to become a contractor. And I think okay. it, it it's just a test. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, it's just a yeah. test. And so, if you've been around carpentry for a long time, and you were to come to America and get like a worker's visa. Yeah. Get a contractor's license. All you would need to do is take that test and unlearn all of the laws that are pertinent in Australia. Because this so test. I'd have to learn the imperial system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd you have to flip, flip my system. brain upside down. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. You know. Uh, inches. <laughs> uh -huh. And every region has their own. Like if you were to if you were to try to certify in California, I don't I don't know that you'd you probably have 
a lot of challenges if you didn't just go through the apprenticeship program and did a union. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm still an apprentice at this stage. So this year is my last year of my apprenticeship. Apprentice. Yeah. And then you become a journeyman. Okay, yeah. Journey lady. So then we, journey lady. <laughs> journey woman. <laughs> journey chick. I just had a, I just had a fly dive bomb into my coffee, so I've just had to rescue it, and I've just set it free. <laughs> You're like, oh, speed! Good to go. <laughs> just fly Pretty much. It's, it's quite a strong coffee, so... Um, oh, yeah. good. Good luck to you, fly. <laughs> you, you know, they just... You know, he was stepping on shit, and... Um, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> who cares? It's my immune system. <laughs> That's right, and people have yeah. forgotten that. Actually, in Chinese um, medicine, if somebody's having major bowel issues, they will give them dehydrated ox bile. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Because it's got an enzyme in it that helps kick their enzymes back into kick. Oh, right. Yeah. So that what, what that would change the, their gut flora or... Change your gut flora. Matter of fact, there was a guy who, who had seen that and studied that. And then he decided, well, well shit, let me try that. He was, he was one of them doctors. And I, what's up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Are you smiling yet? Ha 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 ha. this, you know. <laughs> he was one of those doctors. And he was studying up on it. And he goes, hmm. So he found a certain type of bacteria, the people who had continual problems, and then people who didn't. And it wasn't oxbile. It was, you know, he just took that concept and he worked it. And, and he was, you know, he started doing blood typing and stuff. And then he started doing suppositories of people who had good gut flora in, into people who had bad gut flora and it, and it worked. So basically he put other people's shit in other people's shit. I was talking to the, the other day with my partner about this. We're like, yeah, yeah. The transferring poop from your bum into another person's bum. It's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well you know if you had foreskins on your butt you could probably dock yeah that's what i was thinking how do you do this like you can't yeah oh we just went dark ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Dr. Pepper presents podcast please <laughs> cover your children's ears <laughs> docking bungles it's for health you know <laughs> exactly you're, you're on a construction site, so your sense of humor is obviously, well, you grew up with women. Your sense of humor had to be kind of just, wow. Yeah, 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 now, you're right, actually. That's my dog, Emma, right there. Can you hear her? Hey. <laughs> We're on the show. Can you tell Emma's not taking a, a, taking a hint. Emma, I'm on the phone. <laughs> hey, girl, I'm on the phone. Relax. I think somebody's going to be at the door. Amazon comes like 12 times a day. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 They, des they deliver um, peace soup one pea at a time. <laughs> yeah. Emma, get down. They're a crazy dog. She's crazy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Good doorbell. Yes. Right. Good doorbell. Yeah. I don't know. She's looking out the window. She's crazy. Emma, go downstairs. Ladies and gentlemen, my dog is running all over the place. I think Zoe might be home. Something's up. I'm going to pause recording for a second, Bonnie. Yeah.
Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, we just took a little break and uh, we're back. And hi, Bonnie. Hey, Gary. <laughs> so uh, during break, we were talking about uh, Bonnie actually coming back to the United States after she finishes her apprenticeship, before she moves on to her journeyman life as a carpenter. You know, Jesus was a carpenter. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jesus was pretty cool. Yeah. Did, did he wear sandals the whole time he was working? Because that I wonder how that went. <laughs> no, he was just like, you know what? Give me an ocean fraction, bitch. I'm wearing sandals. I'm Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I ain't afraid of no OSHA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OSHA is uh, the, the statutes in America. I, I'm sorry. I threw out like an acronym thinking you would know it, but that's the uh, occupational safety ha uh, standards in America. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So you guys have the same thing. Yeah, OHS. But it's not called OSHA. It's called something else. Yeah. Yeah. That was really bad jokes, and I've probably lost some listeners right there. <laughs> they just click uh, the no button. <laughs> done. <laughs> canceled, canceled culture. Uh, <laughs> so have you just traveled that one time or have you been out of the country several times? No, just that one time. Um, I have traveled around a little bit in Australia, but I suppose since then um, I've just been trying to save up money. And uh, part of my reason for moving to Melbourne and even doing this apprenticeship was because uh I was just finding it difficult to find enough work in Castlemaine. Um, so I sort of spent a lot of time trying to do that and establish some things and then it didn't really work out. So some of the push came from the desire to just have full-time reliable work. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love it though? Or did you find that, you know, you went to this, um, you went to this thinking it's full-time work. It's, it's a job. Right. Uh, no, I'm, I don't at all feel like I'm stuck in a nine to five situation. I do really love it. Like I've noticed that, well, I'm in the middle of nearly four weeks holiday. So I'm very relaxed and like, Ooh, I living, I'm living the dream. Cause I'm sitting at home and get, I get paid money to sit at home. And I, th I think that's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's amazing. And having the freedom that I have now having a paycheck coming every week is, is an amazing, empowering thing. And for the first time in my life, I've been able to save a considerable amount of money to put towards goals and um, buying my own property one day and things like that, that I've been wanting to do. Um, so no, I haven't felt it. And the physicalness of the work, though sometimes I'm really exhausted, keeps me really fit and healthy. So I, I love it. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. It, it's one of those jobs that it's not a factory however there are some construction companies that especially framers i've noticed that kind of go at it like it's a factory mm. um but you, you know your general contractor who can fix a lot of things you know they have to go into the design process they have to look at what all needs to be done and 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 and, and kind of think about it before they do it yeah you know, 
I, I am, I am like a not good measurer. <laughs> I'm, I'm neither, neither good measurer nor cutter. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to be, and I, you know, if I super focus, I can be, and maybe that's it. I just need to super focus over a thousand hours. Mm, I think that's probably what happens with the apprenticeship, you know, like you just end up putting in so many hours for these, these tiny little things that other people might not notice, but you just become really efficient at it. And it's very satisfying to notice that over this, this three years that, um, yeah, you know, you'll watch someone try and do something and be like, oh, yeah, I hadn't, I'd forgotten what it was like to be at that starting point. And it's just like thousands of hours of doing that thing and you're, Oh, yeah. you know, like just proficient at it. And also uh, my ability to problem solve and even just do things around my own house. Like you can look at something and be like, oh, that thing doesn't work. Well, what, what can I do? And then you'll just be able to fix it. And my brain didn't used to work like that. I would just see a limit. I would just have a limitation and I wouldn't be able to like, get past it. Right. So it's great to have that shift in, in my thinking and my physical ability as well. Oh, yeah. No, that's the way you said that, like my brain doesn't didn't even go there before, basically. Right. Mm. And that's what it is when you're learning new stuff. Mm. You know, my brain didn't go there before. And now all of a sudden it opens up. Yeah. Like everything is now there. Yeah. Yeah. And you see, I see the world in a different way now. Like yes. I look at everything as something that can be deconstructed or reconstructed. Correct. Yeah. I remember when I finally like, oh, physics is cool. Yeah. And I started seeing, we were studying forces in motion at the time. And so one of the forces in motion studies is two forces coming at each other. Right. You got force yeah. of one, force of two. You've got mass of one, you got mass of two. And then you've got acceleration. So when you bring both of those together at that point, everything gets squared because you've got yeah, that right. plus that energy. You would think it'd be A plus B, but it's not. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I yeah. started looking at the world differently. I remember walking across a crosswalk and going, that car weighs 2000 pounds and it's going 25 miles per hour. I weigh 160 pounds. If it hits me, it's going to probably throw me this far. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm thinking of the world in a different way. <laughs> yeah. My demise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I love that about learning when it just. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. New world. Yeah, and it opens a door that, like, I think what I noticed, especially in my second year, I, the more I learned, the more I realized I had yet to learn as well, because you open a door and then behind that door is like, oh, you know, uh, yeah, so many yeah. other things. You're like, oh, what about that? What about that? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so they pull you into the waiting room and you're like, oh, this is nice. And then they pull you, you can do this. You're going to be fine. And then they throw you out there and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> a whole lot more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That's yeah. A whole lot more. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So you have to get and, up uh, early every morning. Are you a morning person? 
I I am, yeah. It's kind of, I find that I've sort of noticed being on holidays that I'm very easily not a morning person, but I am, yeah, I mean, there's something special about late at night, but then there's also something special about early in the morning. So I think I've, yeah, going to bed early or at a reasonable time and then being up before a lot of other people, there's like this special magic tradie hour around Melbourne, you know, where mostly it's only tradies on the road and, and um, yeah, you know, especially in, in winter when it's darker and only the birds are up or the birds aren't even up yet and you're like, ooh, yeah. And um, in the city it's different because the smells aren't, aren't as rich and nice as the country, but I, I look forward to being up that early every day in the country because I drive everywhere with my windows down, even in winter, yeah, because it, I mean, it doesn't get that cold here, but so you're just smelling all the smells all the time. So, yeah, I look forward to being back in the country one day when I'm getting up early every day and smelling those smells. Yeah. Yeah. The eucalyptus. It's just got a wow. That's you got a lot of eucalyptus yeah. around there, yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess they burned very quickly. Yeah. But they'll come back because of the way they're designed. Is that right? Yeah. So I actually went up to visit a friend just before, just after Christmas, before New Year's, and she lives up in Goongro, which was one of the areas that was in the massive bushfires last year. And they had to leave the mountain. Uh, I think they were going to stay to try and protect the house, but they left and miraculously just one of their back buildings burnt, but the house itself was saved. And um, driving up that mountain to visit her again was really, uh, like, because it's kind of a rainforesty forest, so it was just thick with ferns and other smaller ones and then giant hundred, hundreds of years old trees, like just beautiful, massive, big ones. And then as you get further up the mountain, they're a bit, um, they're a bit, they're not as wide and big, but there's just so many of them so dense. And so the fire came through and it's now that it's been a year, there's all this green growth growing up. So they look, kind of look furry almost because it's just all that tiny growth. And so that's, they need, they need the photosynthesis. So they're throwing out all this green growth to feed the tree, but I'm not sure how much that undermines their roots or if they, um, or if those trees will survive in the next five years, or if there's a really hot summer and then they can't get enough. Um, but it's a totally changed landscape. It's a different sort of forest now, but there did seem to be heaps of insects up there and, maybe like a third of the birds that were there. Um, I think a lot of the other little critters were um, died, but my friends also rescue wombats. So they had three wombats at their house that we got to cuddle. And oh. um, it was that's an amazing experience. But I hope, I think the people that live around there, their hearts got broken this year and they did a lot of grieving. And, yeah. um, and there's, you know, other parts of such a huge area. There would be so many people doing, doing a lot of grieving this year, but. Um, yeah, fires wounded the hearts of many. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sandy M Canyon. You know, did you ever go up to Detroit Lake when you were here? No, I didn't. Okay, so there's that canyon burnt. Okay. I haven't been up there yet, but I'm. <laughs> I don't know that I want to. It's one of my favorite places to drive. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's all burned down now. No, not all of it. Yeah, but you know how fire is. Yeah, so what happens to your forest after? Does it get that growth? Like, do the trees go fuzzy? And Depends. Uh, depends on how hot the fire got. Um, yeah. 
depends on how old the trees were. Depends on a lot of factors. Uh, yeah. In the biscuit burn, which was probably 15 years ago, 12 years ago, I guess, um, there are some trees that came back with just little bits of green at the top, but most of them have just stayed black. Yeah. Okay. So what that forest will do is over centuries, because it's a federal forest, mm. they don't manage it. They let it manage as nature would manage it. Okay. Yeah. And it, you know, at one level that sounds great. And at another level, they, it, it's an atrocity depending on who you're talking to. Right. There's all, yeah. so, but so that's not to manage it oh, now. Sorry. What's that? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say in, um, you know, like the indigenous uh, people of Australia, they managed this land for a hundred thousand years. And one of the ways they managed it was doing, was burning. Yeah. yeah. Um, burning at the right time. And, and so, yeah, I heard that about the sequoia trees when I was in the US, that they do actually need fire to um, germinate. And so yeah. if if the state leaves all the forests alone and they don't get that opportunity, then it's kind of like um, neglect in a way, isn't it? If they're not. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. get a fire through a redwood forest and it actually kills it, that redwood forest was ready to die anyways. Oh, uh, okay. Because redwood forests need to be in a place where they have enough moisture that their bark and their roots can drink and okay. everything it's just redwood forests just have to have that environment and the thing is they're so dense and so high up there's really nothing on the floor okay and so what kills a tree you know if you burn the roots you know but the fires just don't go through typically now we had one go through this last year and it really didn't get the forest everybody was freaked out about it but it it's, you know, it gets to the bark, it gets to some of the branches, it'll burn off the dross, it'll open up more sunlight to the rest of the forest, and it'll come right back. Uh, yeah, okay. Unless, yeah, one of the things... it, unless it's a dry one. So we're going to start losing the upland redland forest, redwood forests, because they're not getting the moisture. Okay. Um, one of the things my friends pointed out to me when I was feeling pretty sad about seeing that burnt forest was that if these trees do fall over, uh, it's gonna, they're going to create millions of homes for all the little critters and marsupials that Australia has. And so that's an aspect I didn't think that it's all part of a bigger cycle. And, yeah, having dead, dead trees and forests and places to live has always been a very um, important habitat for most of the little critters that live here. So, yeah. Right. So, in, so these trees are still standing. 12 years, 12 years of burn. You know, they're okay. still standing. Right. 12 years later. Some yeah, of them okay. starting to fall. You know, over the next okay. 20 years, they're all going to start falling. Okay. And then they're going to become a place to hold all the soil that's coming down the hill. Yeah, true. Yeah. And the critters are going to eat that. And it's going to be a softer soil than the rocks that were the soil before. It'll yeah, be. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah. you know, and trees aren't great fertilizer. You know, wood is not a great fertilizer. It actually strips mm. soil, but it is a soft mulch into which other bacteria can start to get over time and mycelium. Mm. And then all of a yeah. sudden, you're going to rebuild a stronger, more healthy forest than you had before. Yeah, yeah. Not all of a sudden, over a century. Yeah. <laughs> that's the natural cycles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so I suppose some of the discussion here is that because of the maybe the the lack of management that 
like you mentioned before, if a forest burns too hot, then that's when a time when you might not get that regeneration and that you'll just get a, you know, closer to a monoculture of just, you know, it destroyed so much that um, yeah, whatever there isn't any cover and it's too, yeah, like it's too bare or the sun is too hot, you know, in Australia, often that can be the case if there isn't that cover or shade or balance maybe it won't work out so it'll be interesting to see how how the forest goes in the next five years and yeah the earth is uh it's really small mm. and me talking to you on the other side of it confirms that yeah <laughs> Yeah. The fact that you met a contractor where I am that had worked on a project in your community. Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> so we could do well to accept the perception that we're all on one little ball together and we need mm. to figure it the fuck out. Definitely. Yeah. What do you love to do the most? I find these like pinpointing particular things hard because I think my mood changes a lot in a day. So I'll be like, oh, I love what I'm doing right now. And then I'm like, oh, I'll go do this other thing now. Um, oh, I really love playing music. I love singing. So, so that's one thing that I've been putting a lot of energy in. During the pandemic as well, having a lot of spare time, I, I was fortunate to be working the whole time. So I got to leave the house every day, but in my spare time and on the weekends, I spent a lot of time putting energy into music and recording. And now I've bought this beautiful guitar. So getting to know my guitar is a lovely thing. Uh, so probably learning then. I think I love learning. Yeah. 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 I think you love the moment. Yeah. I think that was your, your original statement was, it's hard to say, I love everything. You love the moment, but learning in the moment, that's the essence of moment, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the essence of joy. When, when, I, when I'm finally like, oh, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. That, yeah, that's the essence of good now, like real now. The now I'm ex I, I'm looking for. I mean, we can have any now we want, right? We can have our now that's then, yeah. we can have now that's, you know, over in the future, or we can have a right now. And if we're in right now and we're learning something new, that's a good right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think I find many, many moments with where there's joy. So yeah, it's the moments. Isn't it how we look at the world though? Like, yes. Like when you're yeah. in it, you get in a shit state every now and then, right? Like you're just like, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a backlog of stories that fits that um, attitude too. Like, oh, but you remember when that bad thing happened and then that happened? And oh, poor you, Bonnie. And you're like, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I see what's going on here. <laughs> Play the yeah. Violin. Yeah. yeah. Poor Bonnie. Poor me. Poor. <laughs> Poor. Exactly. So, 
<laughs> I just made my dog's ears go. Huh? And uh, yeah. so, <laughs> so he just said, my dog. Uh, I, I asked me something. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, what has changed for you? What is a big change that's happened to you since I got to be hanging out with you six years ago? Goodness, there's been so many things, right? Yeah. I think the most dramatic change is me losing my job. Okay. It was like, you know, this anchor. It was the, have you ever sailed? Sorry? You ever sailed? Uh, well, no, just in customer service roles where I you know, like sailed on, like on a boat. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, like on a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, like, the first time I went sailing was when I came to the US and Judy took me out on her. Uh, we repaired her boat, but she took me out on her friend's boat. And that's the first time I've ever been sailing. Oh, that's right. You went up on, yeah. On so the, uh, well, at I'm the very at, bottom of the boat is the deep keel. That's filled with lead and it's it's the keel. Yes, okay. Right. And I forget where I was going with that. So you asked okay. me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So, so, you lost, so your job. Yeah. Yeah, losing my job. I felt like I lost my keel. I lost that kind of thing that kept me upright you know? And so I had to reinvent myself. And I feel like I'm on that life raft that, and, 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 and Wilson just floated away. Oh. <laughs> Wilson! Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that at some level, but I've still got supplies on the life raft. But I don't have a flare gun, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. So you have to find other ways to get attention. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna get there, sister. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You uh you in a relationship now? You got somebody? Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, that happened? Dave. Pardon? Dave. Dave. Dave is his name. David. Yeah. You end with a guy named Dave. David. Yeah. 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 He's very gorgeous. And we haven't been seeing each other for that long, but it's uh it's been amazing. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. to be in love and uh to plan things and have a really open heart and it's really healthy and it's really nice. It was very unexpected as well. It just came at a time when I'd just moved house and there was making a lot of changes in my life. And then bam, there was Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me about, tell me a little bit about Dave. So Dave is Canadian and uh, actually funnily enough, my mum has been, so my stepdad actually, he's Canadian. And then the other important mother figure in my life, Angel, her partner's Canadian as well. So <laughs> there's a there's this trifecta of and Canadians. And you have a, an ethic of kindness. Is there a mystery as to how this all happened? <laughs> exactly. All these beautiful Canadian men. Um, yeah, so that's been a lovely addition to my life. If I um, had a Canadian man and I were a yeah. <laughs> I would buy him a Canadian Mountie outfit just for fun. <laughs> That's a very good idea. 
It's his birthday on, coming up. Having a good time tonight, and we're going out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going out on the town. You can't keep this in the bedroom. Oh, and by the way, those <laughs> posts out it. front are rented by the hour, so let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. I'll put that in the in the Your list bucket. later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that should be his Christmas present next year. Oh, I got you a gift, but it's really for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll enjoy it far more than you will. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So that's how you're going to slip into Canada. What part of Canada? Uh, Nova Scotia. No. Oh, he's one of yeah. them. Nova yeah. Scotians. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only Nova Scotian I know is a timber framer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's the cool. brother of uh, my friend's wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Up in Nova um, it looks yeah. hazardous to well-being in Nova Scotia. Uh, just cold as hell. Yeah. It looks windy. <laughs> Everything looks stripped. And the people look like they're really angry about it. <laughs> probably inside but they're really angry about where they live although it's very beautiful yeah 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 dave misses it very much because he hasn't been able to go back this year but um yeah you know he'll leave the house and i'll be like oh don't you want to take a jumper with you or something and he's like ha <laughs> <laughs> you have no there'll idea no yeah. Oh yeah. There'll be no wearing of, of extra clothes in even in the coldest of days in, in Melbourne winter. What's your coldest <laughs> day? You're gonna tell it to me in Celsius and I'm not gonna understand that. Um oh, sure. So um I think I could yeah, oh, yeah it'll be well yeah, so yeah. on a level of colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra or holy fucking shit, how cold do you get? It's uh, it's really not that cold. I mean, I get cold. No, I'm actually quite a warm person. So I don't know. It's in Melbourne. It's not that cold. I'll never get, hardly ever get to zero. Hardly ever get below zero. Okay. Zero is 32 for us. So you hardly ever get there. Yeah. 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 Zero makes a lot more sense for when it snows than 32. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But we are stuck in our ways. It's our nature. I remember when we were trying to go to the metric system in the 70s and everybody said, like, hell, yeah, we're going to the we're going to the metric system. That's them people. <laughs> fuck them. And it's yeah, just yeah. always been America. It's just like, you want to do something different that I'm not used to? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, and definitely. We have America, man. And and it's it's been continuous my whole life. And so I'm just like used to it. It's like, oh, you're one of them. Go fuck yourself, people. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, apparently, well, Dave was telling me that they pretend they mostly pretend in Canada that, that they're doing the metric system, but they mostly do all their building by the imperial still. So well, they are still imperial. Worked. Yeah, and he, he said like all the metric measuring tapes, they just never sell. Like they they try and get rid of them. They try and sell them cheap, and no one ever buys them. So yeah. Yeah, I. You know what? I don't think I've ever seen so all of construction. So certain, certain disciplines have gone metric, right? Um, so in America, even engineering was, was standard, SAE, when, when I was growing up. And you still have to have a set of standard tools. Okay. But I think in the 80s, pretty much even General Motors, every, every one of them went, you know, this, 
this metric stuff makes sense when you're building a car and you're shipping it around the world and you're doing these and there. And, and so pretty much yeah. most of the cars anymore are all metric. Okay. But construction being a traditional reality mm. is still inches. Yeah. 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 My boss even sometimes says things in inches and I like, okay, well, I'll just guess then. <laughs> guess and construct. It's going to be on the point. Yeah. It looks about 12 inches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are those who, uh, so it's measured in sixteenths, right? Mm. Uh, a ruler or a measuring, a measuring a tape, sixteenths, right? So I have a friend who, when he calls out a measurement, he'll go um, seven, eleven, and, and his and is how many sixteenths? Okay. And so he'll go four, which is a quarter. And okay, go, a quarter of an inch. Oh, yeah. Is it? Yeah, okay. Or he'll say an eight. Okay, so that's half an inch. He'll just call out his 16th, or he'll say seven, you know, if it's shorter than an eight, right? Okay. So he'd call out three numbers. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a cool, cool method. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like the challenge of trying to flip that all inside my head because it's, yeah, you know, it's like when you get a picture of something that you have to, copy whatever drawing you made onto the surface but you're putting it on a ceiling <laughs> so yeah your brain's like what <laughs> yeah it's a lot yeah. you go it's it's 11 and nine tenths yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's a lot easier <laughs> yeah 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 11 9 and 9 yeah it's yeah it's just a different scale you're just going from you know, 10 to 16. So yeah. they're smaller. So you can yeah. be more precise. And that's probably their, well, you can be more precise with the 16th. Millimeters, though, are pretty tiny. Yeah. Like, they really are. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you do everything in millimeters. We do everything in millimeters. So it's like, yeah. yeah. You know, so you'll say 1196, and that's, that's a meter and 196 millimeters. Yeah, so it's tiny and it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing. 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Some kid that was good in fractions also bought, you know, like a tool company back in the day. He's like, oh, I like fractions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say that fractions. Yeah. Or a clockmaker. <laughs> yeah. Clockmakers are probably the best people at fractions ever. Yeah. Yeah. They've got the pie. They're always just working on the pie. <laughs> working on the pie and how much of the pie you can tick to get the other to tick that much pie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah clock making is pretty fascinating. The fact that it would actually have evolved. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's amazing. You know, it's, you were talking earlier about learning different things and how it opens up your mind. And, you know, the Dalai Lama is into clocks. He's into clock making. Yeah, right. And I think it's because it has that element of there's a lot to learn there. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I got gifted a really beautiful uh, clock just that went around my neck 
and I don't know where it is now, but um, it's just so delicate. It's, you know, mm. you open up the back of it and look at inside and all these tiny little cogs and this tiny little delicate middle arm that like, you know, ticks it over in between. There's just so much going on in there. So many tiny little parts and they all have to work perfectly for the whole thing to work. Yeah. Yeah. And over time. Right. Yeah. So they have to work over time. Like if you're off a millionth of a second in a million seconds, you're going to be off by a second. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like it's the same when you do a cut on a longboard. If you do in timber frame, especially where you have to have two joints that connect perfectly. Mm. And if I do a 20 foot span and I'm off by a 16th of an inch, by the time I get to the other side, you know, I'm off six inches. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's, true. That, it's that moving out from that point over time yeah. and over space. It's the same concept as time and space. Both of them kind of, as they expand, your flaw becomes bigger. Yeah. I learned that in shooting rifles. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like at 300 yards, if you're off a millimeter... You might be off a foot. I don't know what the measurements actually come out to, but it's it's very yeah. What's that called? Is that MOA or something like that? Minute of angle. Yeah, the minute of angle, mm -hmm. and yeah, that over the greater the distance, then ah uh, yeah, the greater you're at. Um, Dave was teaching me that the other day because he's a target shooter. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the minute of angle. Um, and there's a lot of factors that come into play on that, but. That's the number one. And if you are a target shooter and you are shooting long distance, the actual pulling of the trigger can throw you off. Yeah. So I hope I never have to pull the trigger. Mm. It's looking like a possibility in my country. Yeah, right. Is it, do you feel like it's becoming that volatile? It feels like the possibility's there, you know? Okay. A month ago, they're running up and down the streets with their flags on their trucks and and their bullhorns rolling and, and yelling at everybody. And, and they're very upset. They felt like they got their guy and now their guy turns out to be a heel and they're not really, I don't know, you know. Are they disappointed in Trump and his behavior? Are they upset that he's no longer in power? Some are disappointed in Trump. Okay. Um, most of them, uh, not most of them, I don't know. There's a portion of them that still love him and still want him. And there's a portion of them who are Republicans and have believed in, in Republican ideals and Trump put forward on some of their ideals. So they felt like, okay, he's good in that way, but they have always felt like he was immoral. So the mm. moral kind of side of the party. Um, and then of course, there's the ones that are kind of, I think done with it. They're like, oh my God, this is stupid. 
and, okay. and they're out of it. I don't think that's very many though. Okay. So I think these people need to be understood and talked to and figured out at some level, but I think what they need to do is a heavy reconciliation in their own hearts and, and minds and figure mm -hmm. out, do you really want to be the mean kid? Is that really your legacy, you know, that you want to leave a nation or do you want to help like make a nation better? Do you want to help build a nation? And yeah. I, that's the question that needs to come to everybody's mind right now is, is really what do we want out of this, uh, you know, experiment in democracy? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. We've led the world with our ideals for a long time. And now we are the example of the worst example of those ideals. Mm. And that, yeah, it's been that's a hard pill to Harrowing to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody had somebody to look up to before. Mm. And now we're, I don't know what we are. But hopefully we, we look at ourselves deeply and we figure it out, we become better. Mm. You know? If you, could, if you could do one thing to make the world a better place, what would it be? I'm gonna do my best to be able to keep changing and be in a position that I'm healthy enough and well enough to be really good at caring for others. And I'm not sure what that looks like yet. Maybe it's helping other people uh, build houses that are affordable to live in, or maybe it will be in another country helping people build houses there, or maybe I'll decide to study something else. I'm not sure what that looks like yet. I thought about this question a bit last night. Um, yeah, my main focus is to make myself be skilled enough and well enough to do that. Hmm. That sounds like a good plan. I mm. love it. Yeah. yeah. So have you been to Courtney Barnett's show yet? What's that? Have you been to Courtney Barnett yet? No, I haven't seen her. I was listening to her the other day. Um, yeah. We have so many great musicians in Australia. You really do? Yeah. Yeah, particularly Melbourne. It's such a – I really hope it, it sort of does feel like it's bouncing back and people booking shows again and – um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, you seem uh, excited uh, to be on a dance floor immigrant again. Union? Immigrant unions out of Melbourne. Immigrant yeah, unions. yeah. Have yeah. You seen no, I haven't. No, they were they played as part of um, the David Bowie exhibition years ago. Yeah. When I came back, yeah. Um, yeah, you got to go see him. Uh, Brent's in the Dandy Warhols. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And Courtney yeah. played with them for a little while. Okay. Courtney Barnett yeah. played with them when she was starting out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You got to yeah, get out on the local scene now that you're making money finally and kind of do stuff. Say, hey, yeah. Dave, yeah, now put on that uniform. Let's go out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've booked, I've booked in a few things. There's a, I tried to go see a band the other day, but they were booked out. I think just because there's still, um, they've got limited numbers that are allowed in venues here because we're still being yeah. careful. So, some shows are selling out pretty quick, but I'll I'll keep my finger on the pulse and I look forward to seeing more live music. Mm. Yeah. Well, my dear, 
It was lovely seeing you. I wish you the best in your career and that you and Dave have a glorious and joyous life together. Thank and you. I hope to see you soon. Yeah. I may get down to Melbourne at one point. Yeah. But I really want to go surf up on Jay Bay. Where's Jay Bay? Up north. Uh, Surfersville, wherever they, what are this? Oh, Surfers Paradise. Yeah, I want to go there. Yeah. The waves cool. open forever. Yeah, and awesome. And get the skinny people. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, he looks yeah, like just take blood. like a, a decoy, a steak or something and throw it. <laughs> you do have sharks up there quite a bit. You guys got a lot of sharks off your coast. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway. you know they're experimental they're, they'll just take a bite and be like oh it tastes awful but then accidentally bite your leg off and then you bleed out sorry about your so, leg yeah. it tastes like shit yeah <laughs> I thought you were a seal but... you go. Yeah. yeah no blubber alright yeah. uh, well I'm going to let you go and get back to yeah. your day this is your last weekend day until you no you got another day till you get yeah. back to work yeah, yeah, yeah. Very well rested. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on your show, Bonnie. I love you to pieces. You take care of yourself. Yeah, take care of everybody in your life. I will. And keep Karen. Keep being that person who brings kindness to the world. I love you for I that. I will. All right. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Gary. Lots of love to you and your family. Lots of love to you also, and to your friends and family as well. All right. Ciao. Ciao.